And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. Forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Well, good Sunday afternoon and Welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. And today, my guest is my daughter, Heather Postlewaite. And uh, Heather's going to be giving us a little sign here that she actually is a chip off the old block. And it really does matter what we say to our kids and to our grandkids and all those around us. We need to fess up. We need to wake up. We need to understand that People believe what we're saying when we can prove what we say, and that's what we've been doing. Heather, uh, it's so good to see you. We've been talking quite a bit, but uh, welcome to the podcast. And I'm going to start this by saying that I know a number of your friends and some of your clients uh, actually recommend that you start your own podcast. And I thought, well, what a better time to do it than... uh, let, let's do a little program with your dad. Let's just see how all this turns out. So, Heather, welcome to the program, uh, and thank you for joining us. I'll tell you what, Thumper, let's go ahead and uh, do that little short video, the 15-minute 15, uh, 15 video. Let's go ahead and do that, and we'll work through with Heather on her uh on her audio problems yeah. and get that resolved while that little video is playing. All right, we'll do that. Here we go. Author, columnist, and executive director of the Fixed Point Foundation. In the mid-1990s, when I was a graduate student studying history, specifically European history, Russian history, and Marxism, people would say to me that this was a dead end. I mean, the Berlin Wall had fallen by this time. The Soviet Union had collapsed. And yet, here we are now seeing Marxism uh, infiltrate segments of our own society. So I thought it might be helpful to explain to you what Marxism is. What is Marxism? Prussian political theorist and revolutionary Karl Marx didn't invent the idea of socialism any more than Planned Parenthood invented abortion, but each put their own evil stamp on these practices. Socialism, which may be loosely defined as the equitable redistribution of wealth, has no absolute beginning. Marxism is Marx's particular variation on the theme. His contributions to socialism were chiefly in systematizing it, popularizing it, and militarizing it. 
Just as Darwin saw in guided biological processes at work in natural history, Marx likewise believed that impersonal economic forces were driving human history. History would move irresistibly from one economic stage to another until it reached the utopian socialist stage called communism. Marx called these mysterious evolutionary forces of history dialectical materialism. To help these forces along, Marx declared that workers of the world must unite and overthrow the ruling classes in violent revolution. But such revolts were few in number and were easily defeated by their respective governments. And Marx, who was rightly seen as an instigator, was expelled from half the countries of Europe. In 1849, he moved to London. There he found a labor force that had been calling for socialism in one form or another long before anyone had ever heard of Karl Marx. Full of revolutionary fire, Marx preached his famous message of bloody revolution in the expectation that the laborers, called proletarians in Marx speak, would rise up and burn the country to the ground. But it didn't happen. British laborers, though receptive to Marx on many levels, were largely uninterested in Marxism. It wasn't that socialism had no appeal to them. It did. Rather, they rejected the violence Marx demanded. They hoped to achieve their goals via democratic means. They had good reason to be hopeful. A series of parliamentary reform measures saw both improved working conditions and the expansion of the electorate. Furthermore, a robust, Bible-centered Christianity flourished in Britain in a way it simply did not in continental Europe. When asked the name of the person he most detested, Marx's equally fanatical colleague, Friedrich Engels, said, Spurgeon. This was a telling reference to the great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon, who regularly drew London audiences of more than 10,000. Royalty and proletarians alike were drawn to his straightforward messages of forgiveness, hope, and meaning to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Engels well understood that a people who possess these things do not, as a rule, overthrow governments. But it wasn't just Spurgeon. This was also the Britain of William Booth's juggernaut, the Salvation Army, which pioneered large-scale Christian benevolence. The Christian faith of the working class went far to satisfy the needs of the soul. Inter-Italian Marxist Antonio Gramsci. Marx's prediction of revolution led to disillusionment among subsequent Marxists who awaited that day the way Heaven's Gate cult members awaited the Hale-Bopp comet. While languishing in one of Mussolini's prisons, the dwarfish Gramsci filled a series of secret notebooks with his own Marxist ideas. Among them, an explanation for Marx's failed prophecy of a coming proletarian uprising against the ruling classes. According to Gramsci, Marx had grossly underestimated the strength of Western society. In 1917, Russia, an armed insurrection, had worked because the state, in its primary institutional support, the Russian Orthodox Church, were weak and rotten. One swift kick had brought them tumbling down. In Gramsci's view, the West, chiefly Britain and America, were different. The diminutive Italian spoke in terms of hegemonies that is, of power structures, where Marx divided the world into a single hegemony of haves and have-nots, Gramsci divided it into more hegemonies, families, education, government, morality, the church, law, and civil society as a whole. 
the frontal assault strategy would not work in the West, he said, at least not in the beginning, because these institutional pillars of Western society were much too strong. These must be undermined from within first, softening them up. And only then, when the Western Colossus was sufficiently weakened, would the frontal assault work. Gramsci's strategy was, in effect, that of the Trojan horse. Socialism will triumph, he wrote, by first capturing the culture via infiltration of the schools, universities, churches, and the media by transforming the consciousness of society. The Trojan horse approach is called cultural Marxism. Subvert families, traditional morality, and the touchstones of national identity and penetrate educational institutions, the church, and the legal system, and eventually that country will fall like a ripe fruit into the hands of Marxists. It wasn't until the 1950s that Gramsci's notebooks, which had been smuggled out of the prison, were published posthumously in Italian. It was another 20 years before they were published in English translation. By then, with multiple Marxist genocides and all, one might have thought that the evils of the system were so well established that no one in their right mind would ever again think of implementing them. But leftists are not ones to give up on a murderous, unworkable, failed utopian ideology simply because it is a murderous, unworkable, failed utopian ideology. And Gramsci's notebooks breathed new life into Marxist hopefuls. By the 1980s, Gramsci's ideas had achieved something of a cult status among a generation of Western academics. The degree to which Gramsci's infiltration tactics have worked needs little commentary from me. The left began occupying powerful positions in, if not outright control of, each of the aforementioned societal pillars. Marxists were sure that the much-anticipated revolution was near. But it yep, didn't happen. This brings us to our own time and two pernicious additions to this toxic Marxist cocktail. Critical race theory and intersectionality. Whether you have ever heard of these terms or not, you have seen them at work in such seismic cultural events as the legalization of gay marriage, the Me Too movement, and the violence of Black Lives Matter that is being endorsed by the Democratic Party. Marx saw workers as oppressed Hi. people. Gramsci and a group of Marxist scholars in what was then Thank called you. the Frankfurt School expanded the list of oppressed peoples to include many others. For example, traditional marriage and family are patriarchal institutions and are therefore instruments of oppression. The church, with its message of peace and otherworldly bliss, oppresses the masses by sapping them of their revolutionary spirit. Educational institutions oppress the lower classes by teaching them to love their countries and instilling them with patriotic fervor, thus protecting the ruling classes. And so the argument <coughs> went with every other pillar of society. You must remember that the Trojan horse strategy, that is, cultural Marxism, is to infiltrate these pillars and to destroy them from within, convincing some in these institutions that they are actually suffering oppressed victims is an effective way to do it. In the 1980s, Kimberly Crenshaw, a legal scholar who coined the terms critical race theory and intersectionality, applied Gramsci's hegemony's model to race, 
arguing that black people are victims of white hegemony, white supremacy, or what is sometimes called white privilege. Are you black? You're oppressed, whether you know it or not. Are you white? You're an oppressor, whether you know it or not. Crenshaw argued that America is guilty of systemic racism. Sound familiar? Because she claimed racism is deeply ingrained in every aspect of society. A civil war to free the oppressed, constitutional amendments to protect them, affirmative action to jumpstart them, and a multitude of government programs to help them are not enough. Nothing will ever be enough. If a black man or woman fails to succeed in America, it cannot be the result of his or her own choices or limitations. It is always the fault of a racist system. And if you're white, you are part of a racist system and you must be made to pay for your sin, literally. Critical race theory is being used to pave the way for massive reparations for slavery because it overcomes, not logically, but emotionally, the chief hurdle facing those demanding such reparations, how to make white people of today co-conspirators in the crime of an institutional slavery that ended more than 150 years ago. As you might have guessed, intersectionality expands the definition of victims until it now includes anyone who isn't a straight, Christian, conservative, white male. At the intersection of society, she says, one finds that women are victims of men. Non-heterosexuals are victims of heteronormativity. Non-Christians are victims of Christian hegemony. Non-Americans are victims of Americans. And on and on it goes. The form taken by modern Marxism sees society in terms of victims and victimizers. It has often been said that Marxism can never work because it fails to understand human nature. There's much truth in this. That said, Marxists have proved to be astute, if cynical, observers of human nature to this extent. First, contrary to what is frequently alleged, Marxism, much more than capitalism, appeals to our greedy natures because it says that what is yours should be mine. Indeed, I have a right to take it by force if necessary. Second, Marxism appeals to our desire to tell other people what to do. Legalism is not a product of religion. It's a product of human nature. And Marxist societies, secular to their black-hearted core, are the very picture of legalism, making as they do a tyranny of community. Third, Marxists know that it isn't hard to convince a man that his own failures are the result of someone else's treachery. Hitler convinced an entire country. Now Black Lives Matter would do it to America. The evil in this cannot be overstated. It's the sort of warped logic that progresses from a soft persecution to pogroms and eventually to the gas chambers. Remember the game Jenga. Players remove wooden blocks from a tower until the integrity of the structure is compromised and it collapses. Every step in the ideological genealogy of Black Lives Matter is designed to remove those blocks that support government and society, religion, tradition, patriotism, education, and so on, until a tipping point is reached and a Marxist seizure of power is possible. It's a tried and true formula. Just look at history. Dozens of lesser towers have already <coughs> fallen into total Marxist ruin. Albania, Angola, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Belarus, Benin, Bosnia, Bulgaria, Cambodia, China, Congo, Croatia, Cuba, 
Czechoslovakia, Estonia, Ethiopia, East Germany, Hungary, Laos, Latvia, Macedonia, Moldova, Montenegro, Mozambique, North Korea, Poland, Romania, Russia, Slovakia, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Ukraine, Uzbekistan, Venezuela, and Vietnam. And this is just a list I made off the top of my head on a napkin. None of these are or were what one might call models of freedom, prosperity, and stability. And yet this is what the neo-Marxists would give us under the guise of social justice. But don't be naive. This isn't about social justice. It's a pretext for injustice. It's about the weaponizing of a fictional guilt for the seizure of assets and power. Revelation 6, 8 says, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. With a body count of more than 125 million in the 20th century alone, one might reasonably wonder if this is a reference to Marxism. Whether it is or not, only time itself will tell. Regardless, history has demonstrated all too well that death and hell follow that murderous worldview wherever it goes. In conclusion, let me answer a question that I've been asked many times. Historically speaking, why has the United States proved so resistant to Marxism when so much of the rest of the world has fallen prey to it? The answer is simple, Christianity. America has the largest Christian population in the world, and Christians have generally recognized Marxism's inherent godlessness. For their own part, Marxists recognize that Christianity is the key Jenga block supporting the whole of American society. And America, in turn, is the key Jenga block supporting what remains of the free world. To quote T.S. Eliot, if Christianity goes, the whole culture goes. Okay. Um, Anna, My name is Larry like... Alex Taunton. I'm an oh. author. <laughs> Hi, Heather. Hi, Dad. Yeah, it looks Hi, like we, we finally got everything working. I'm I'm tickled. All right. Uh, we did the lead-in. It's been a while, but uh, we did the lead-in <laughs> by talking about how you were raised uh, hearing this kind of stuff uh, for me <clears throat> most of your life, and especially in the last 30 years and how important it is to uh, be careful about what we say to our kids and make sure that we tell them what's, uh, what's really going on and not be afraid to tell them the truth. Now, uh, I'm going to make, make that uh, a prelude, but, uh, you know, you've been calling me lately and telling me things that are going on that uh, <laughs> kind of surprise you and testing me to see how how much I know about it. And a lot of times you're looking at something that I haven't even seen yet. So uh, anyway, welcome to the program. It's good to see you, honey. Well, thanks for having me, dad. Hi, Thumper. Thanks for helping me. <laughs> As I, I said to him, I don't have a teenager in the house anymore. I'm kind of not tech savvy. <laughs> yeah, well, you did. You did good. So uh, welcome to the Thank show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this because we just had a little 15-minute uh, uh, video on what Marxism is, and we have uh, 
you know, you've seen my my uh, announcement, my program that I sent out says what we say matters. We we agree on so many things. I mean, there's virtually nothing that I can think of that we have uh, real conflicts on about the jab and about what's going on in the Middle East and what's been going on in Ukraine and uh, pretty much everything that's going on, period. And really what it all boils down to is that we have a handful of people that uh, have been very, very, uh, very ingeniously taking over the world and taking over the financial systems and and uh, really moving the whole world into a one-world Marxist technocratic system of government. Uh, that's a pretty big lead-in. That gives you a lot of room to get started. So go ahead. Let's uh, let's hear what you think. Okay. Well, it's just staggering to me the small amount of people who have literally been running things behind the scenes that, you know, we didn't even know about. They put it in our face forever. I mean, if you look back to the old kid movies like Pinocchio, we were talking about this the other day. Mm -hmm. They're, they took the boys, these orphan boys, and took them to Pleasure Island, where they never came from, back from again. I mean, it's just, it's been in our face for so long. And you look at all of them, you know, Wizard of Oz, who's the man behind the curtain, that kind of thing. And they're all just so connected, you know, like um, I heard recently, well, not recently, but Bill Gates and Ghislaine Maxwell are cousins. His mother was a Maxwell. I mean, uh -huh. ugh. And Adam Schiff is married to a Soros or, you know, some connection there. I mean, it's just they're all so connected and there's such a small group of people, really. But how they've managed to get away with this for hundreds, if not a thousand years is, you know, just absolutely a mystery. Yeah. But well, in my data, go ahead. No, no. I What I was going to say is that uh, it has been going on almost as long as we've had uh, civilization. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's human nature. That's why we, we need to understand that uh, when we separate our, ourselves from our creator, human nature is a very, very negative thing. And human nature is uh, designed to try to control other people. It's our, our nature to try to be in control of things. And if mm -hmm. we don't recognize anything else besides our fellow man and humans as being the ultimate source of power, then obviously they think they can get away with this. Right. We're just too busy dance with the stars to pay attention. You know, it's, it's really right in your face. They don't hide it. It's satanic law. They have to tell you because your silence is implied consent. That's right. That's exactly right. Whenever we agree to things that uh, even though we don't agree to them, we just don't say anything, you're right. That's implied consent, and that is uh, legally, actually legally as a contract, that is considered uh, part of law that if you don't say anything, then it's considered uh, implied consent under the law. Exactly right. You know, you look at Joe Biden being on TV and saying, we've got the most comprehensive voter fraud 
system in American history and everybody goes, oh, that's just old Joe. You know, he's just he's just silly. He didn't know what he was saying. No, he told us mm-hmm. <laughs> he said it. Mm-hmm. Looks like that Maya Angelou quote. When somebody shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you, we've been talking a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East, and it's pretty obvious to me that um, you know the 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 ability uh, for Hezbollah and uh, the uh, uh, terrorists to supposedly get through the defense system into Israel is pretty much a setup deal. Uh, that couldn't happen. They have far and away the most sophisticated uh, defense uh, and, and fence system in the entire world. And uh, like they said, and I've heard this from uh, Israeli intelligence, you couldn't fly a bird within yeah, 100 feet of that wall without them knowing about it. Yet for, uh, what, seven hours, they had pretty much full access to do all the killing and random uh, terrorism that they could, and there was no response. All right. That's just another, in my opinion, another false flag, just like 9-11, Pearl Harbor, uh, Gulf of Tonkin. You know, it's just one something, one event that everybody gets their heartstrings pulled, and we're in another war. You know, the war is good for business. Yeah, it is. It's good for business. As a matter of fact, uh, that's what big business is all about anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, and the Ukraine funds were drying up because of the new House Speaker. You know, he said, "Okay, we'll take whatever you know you want to send to Ukraine, but we have to match it and for border security." And then they went, (laughs) "Because they don't want that," you know. That's right. Well, I'm hoping you, Mike Johnson's a good thing. You you, um, you mentioned that, uh, well, you're in Ohio, and mm-hmm. you were literally a stone's throw away from that uh, train derailment that uh, dumped all the chemicals on the, on the countryside. Yep. You've we're, had personal impact from that, haven't you? I still am every day since February my uh, man, my boyfriend, whatever you want to call it, he had COPD before that because he's a lung cancer survivor. But he's a retired West Virginia police officer, and he had been going to the gym five days a week for two hours a day right before that. And after that, we're 27 miles as the crow flies from East Mm -hmm. Palestine, which is in the 30-mile danger zone, if you will. And he went out the next morning to look at his garlic, which uh, if you know, you start growing in October and you harvest it around the 4th of July and it had been doing gangbusters. And he went and looked the next day and it was completely dead. And you could see the tracks in the street from some sort of film that was all over, you know, our cars. And it was just a mess. But since that time, he has been in the hospital three or four times um, with advanced what they call exasperations. He can't, he can't get his breath, and he was nowhere near that before that. He's actually part of a lawsuit going on, and his doctor, um, Dr. Hauser, is documenting everything for him. She's the lead pulmonologist from here to Cleveland to Pittsburgh, and she's documenting the whole thing. So we'll see what happens. But here we sit. You know, he struggles now. Every day he's on oxygen, which he doesn't want to be. He's only 58. 
you know, it's not a, not a nice way to live, but yeah, we've definitely been impacted. I actually have a patient who also same thing since February, she's been in the hospital. I want to say probably three months at a time, but she's in her eighties, but she also has COPD and she hadn't connected that dot. Speaking of which <clears throat> she said, ever since February, I've been, you know, having massive emphysema symptoms. Wow. And myself, excuse me, because I get what I call the chokey. It's in the afternoon. I get, you know, <clears throat> raspy throat. So pardon me. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, that that's uh, part of it. And then you also uh, were telling me about the yellow, uh, the yellow smoke that was coming out of uh, Canada. It wasn't, it, you know, we you grew, up, you grew up in, in at least part of the time in Montana and uh, mm -hmm. you know what a real forest fire and what smoke from a forest fire looks like. And uh, what they were calling forest fires was nothing like forest fires, was it? That No, that was nothing like I've ever seen. And I spent 20 years on the Montana-Canadian border. We know what forest fires look and smell like. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mac also used to fight fires in his youth in West Virginia. And he was like, what is this? It smells like plastic. It did. It smelled like plastic. In the middle of the night, you go out, and it's like, boom. And that I always, you know, I jokingly say, but not. They're trying to kill us every which way they can. Well, they are. They are. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, uh, you've been hearing that from me ever since, uh, I don't know, since I started doing my Agenda 21 lectures, and that's probably yep. close to 20 years ago. And uh, they make it openly known that they plan to eliminate uh, a large percentage, actually 93% of the human population, because uh, they think that we are the wonder, the number one threat of uh, humanity is man himself. Yeah, well, we're useless eaters, according to Klaus Schwab. You know, that tells you everything you need to know, really. And the Georgia Guidestones. Ted Turner, he's a horrible human being. Yeah, I wonder how you came to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's well, one of the more popular people in Montana. <laughs> yeah, remember? Not what really. was that bar? That bar Stacy's, and they literally got booed out of there, and they wrote all kinds of nasty graffiti while they were in the building. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Montana's pretty good that way. Uh, yep. you know, the, the cowboys, anyway, the the real people. Right, right. They don't mess around. No, that's for sure. Well, um, I, I want to hear what you've been uh, picking up in the news uh, on the, the <clears throat> police state, the deep state, and all the things that you've been picking up on in, in the news over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, go ahead and... Uh, Maybe give our, our listeners a little idea of some of the things you've been digging into. Well, it's, you know, hard to know where to start because there's just, I get very frustrated with people when they say nothing is happening. You know, nobody's being arrested. Nobody's being put in jail. Well, when you have a two-tier justice system, that's how it is. But it is now so painfully obvious that we have a two-tier justice system. You know, it's like going back to Hunter Biden's laptop. No way did he forget that his disgusting laptop was at this, you know, poor guy's shop. He knows people. Why didn't he have them fix it? And what was wrong with it? Was it hacked? Mm. You know, I think he either did, A, did that on purpose because he's sick of the 
you know, mess he's in, or he was made to do it by the good guy military that Obama fired. Well, that's one um, thing. Yeah, that's one view of it. I think it, it, it being a drug-addled nitwit uh, might be another part of that uh, that I would conclude. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, but I mean, it, the stuff on that computer, the things I've seen, ugh, yuck. Yeah. But it goes back to Epstein. I mean, all the all the insider trading, the bribery. Nobody would want to get caught with that on their computer. You know, it's like I'm I'm constantly banned on Facebook for political things, and one of them that keeps coming back to me. I posted that picture of Hunter Biden in underpants and a red boa. And like I said to you, I don't know, you know, he took that picture. I didn't, I don't have pictures like that of me anywhere, (laughs) you know, why is Facebook banning me because of a real picture that he took? And it's just madness. Mm -hmm. Well, you said it, it. it's a Mm -hmm. two-tier justice system because he wasn't, frankly, he wasn't worried about it any more than China Joe's worried about it because they think they've got the whole justice system in their pocket, and so far it seems like they do. So far, yep. But I, you know, I do see things changing all the time, and like I've said for years, their arrogance and symbolism will be their downfall. They just can't stop it. I mean, like Joe Biden standing up there, where's the money? Well, we're finding the money. Two hundred and forty thousand so far to you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And 40,000 40, of 400,000 is 10%. I'm not great at math, but, you know. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, Although well, I had not expected Obama was the big guy, to be honest. Yeah. I think we all recognize that, uh, that Barack Obama is serving his third, third term. In fact, <laughs> I think you're the one. Didn't, didn't you send me the video that showed... Uh, 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 Biden wandering around the White House when Obama was uh, uh, there on invitation, and everybody was uh, paying a lot of attention to Obama, but nobody mm-hmm. even seemed to recognize that Joe was even there. He couldn't even get anybody to talk to him. He was like literally tapping people on the shoulder, trying to get their attention while everybody was fawning all over Obama, including uh, what's her name? Kamala Harris. It was disgusting, <laughs> amusing, but sad. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that they've gotten away with so much that everything is just way, way too easy for them. And, you know, it's time for Americans. I, it, it's amazing some of the stupid people there are out there. But uh, it, it's amazing that more Americans haven't uh, awakened to this. But on the other hand... It's amazing to me that they're finally waking up by the millions, and it's pretty, yep. it's pretty astounding. I think we may just have a chance to win this back. I agree with you. Like I told you the other day, I, I do home health care. I'm a nursing assistant, and I go to their homes. And I have this woman who I think is just the perfect example. She's an 83-year-old uh, Army veteran. She was in the for like 30 years during Vietnam and whatnot. And she literally has Big Mike's memoirs book in her living room. I cringe every time I walk by it. But so she was a fan. I mean, she's an Obama fan. 
and she had the local news on the other day and they were talking about Israel and Ukraine and funding and all that stuff. And she looked at me and she said, you know, Heather, I'm beginning to think that war in general is just a way to use the United States of America ATM. And she was very definitive. She's an African-American lady, very uh, patriotic. You know, I would say she's on the wrong side, but at least she, I know a lot of Kennedy Democrats that I can discuss things with. You know, these rabid uh, progressives, you can't get a word in edgewise and it's like talking to a stump. So why bother? But a lot of people you can really, you know, discuss things with. And she's coming around. She's like, I've had it. Yeah, and, and matter of fact, she she, she needs to uh, uh, read. Uh, oh crap! I'm having a uh, I'm having a, a mental lapse here. But uh, he was a Marine Corps general. Uh, wrote a book called uh, "Wars a Racket." Um, anyway, um, he, he she needs to read his book because in about forty pages it describes the whole system. And he was actually paid by the Rockefeller brothers and uh, various uh, different uh, big uh, industrialists during the 1930s to overthrow the government and to take it over in a very, uh, a very fascist system that was designed to emulate what uh, Adolf Hitler was doing in Germany. And, uh, well, Prescott Bush funded both sides of World War II. There's nothing new. We're giving right. money to Iran, right? And right. Israel. I mean, we're funding both sides. What's nothing new under the sun? Mm -hmm. Well, that's right. Uh, but let's uh, let's elaborate on that. You uh, you're telling me things. Uh, you were telling me the other day all these uh, people that you were reading about and all these uh, uh, all these uh, new. Uh, sources of information that you're running across. Really what it boils down to is we finally uh, have an opening in the internet with people waking up and it's uh, we're creating new sources of information faster than they're able to shut them down. And uh, you've got to be careful. I find that ironic and amusing. Yeah, I do too. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm looking for you to carry no, the conversation. <laughs> well, don't get me too started. I could go for hours. But um, I, you know, they say Bill Gates and, and uh, invented Microsoft and the internet and Mark Zuckerberg and all that stuff. And I've said for years, it's going to be their own, which we know it's not anyway, but their own invention is going to get them. Because mm -hmm. we're, we're finding out stuff within minutes nowadays instead of months or years or whatever you know like the israeli invasion nobody thinks that was you know natural if you will they let it happen and benjamin netanyahu for whatever whatever reason let it happen he knew it was coming just like pearl harbor <laughs> excuse me you know it's allowing your own people to be killed for the deep state causes and money laundering that that's just staggering to me but it's mm. been happening you know they do it all the time it's been happening really since the spanish-american war but mm -hmm. uh it happened in a big way i think you mentioned uh that uh, uh you uh remember the uh, uh world war ii and pearl harbor event and the fact that uh so many of the 
uh, British intelligence services had all kinds of information on the Japanese attack months before it actually occurred. And the only reason that it happened yep. was uh, because uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt decided to let it happen so that he could get in the war because of the fact that his economic policies had failed so miserably. Um, and the war did. It brought the right. United States out of, a, out of a depression that under their socialist program probably would have gone on for another 50 years. Yeah, without Pearl Harbor, America would not have been involved. We wouldn't have had the stomach to get involved, I don't think. You know, it's just like the false flag events. It pulls at heartstrings. Oh, my gosh, 40 babies with their heads cut off, which has never been confirmed, by the way. But it sounds horrible, gets people all riled up. You see these dumb college kids, you know, campaigning and protesting for Palestine. Well, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Is that what you're for? You know, parents like me who would confront school boards and say no to vaccines, which I did have done for years, um, when they came out with that HPV, or I think that's it, vaccine, and I, you know, I only have the boys, I don't have a girl who needs to be concerned about sexually transmitted diseases. So why would I give that to my son? It's just, it's been going on forever, you know, but um, I've lost my train of thought here. But the uh, Israel itself, you know, was designated by the Rothschilds. Yeah, the Bel Belfour Declaration in 19, mm -hmm. what is it, 17, I think. Yeah. Um, yep, the British monarchy worked with the Rothschilds to designate Israel for the Jews. Now, it's my probably crazy to some beliefs that they I call them lizard people because they're the, the acts that they conduct no human being with any kind of soul or conscience could perpetrate I I don't feel like they have souls or consciences and I feel like that's why they hate us so much because they can never be us but well, and I think yeah. they hide in the Jewish faith I'm sorry well, they, a lot of them do, and of course, we've had uh, numerous uh, programs talking about the uh, Kazarian Mafia, which is uh, Zionism, and mm -hmm. there is a lot of difference between, uh, you know, Ju Judaism and Zionism. Mm -hmm. They're totally different. And, of course. Uh, Did you see yeah. Joe Biden admit to being a Zionist? No, actually, I didn't see that. Yeah, he's on camera saying, yes, I'm a Zionist. Mm -hmm. Years yeah. ago. There you go. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really tickled. You're, you're uh, bringing up a lot of cool things that are good talking points. Obviously, uh, I'm, I'm going to mention this to Thumper since he's on with us. Uh, obviously, she was listening to me along the road there. As uh, <laughs> a lot of this stuff was happening, I was kind of trying to fill her in, and it's fun to... Uh, fun to have my daughter on to uh, reconfirm that uh, uh, she was listening. Well, you know, Dan, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 w I was over visiting my mom the day before yesterday, and uh, uh, there was a lady there that comes in twice a week and hangs out with mom. And uh, what your what uh, Heather was just talking about sounds like what I you know the the little. Uh, podium I got on to, uh, with uh, uh, talking to this lady and she actually was aware of a lot of this stuff uh, you know and you don't know it uh, until you actually start talking to people and and realizing that uh, people are waking up more and more so every day 
and uh, yep. it's it's great to hear you, Heather, uh, here with your dad. And uh, uh, you know, we need more apples out there, uh, or pasta white or pasta white. Pasta white. I couldn't see it all in the window there. Um, That's okay. But uh, yeah, uh, we need more of that, and uh, uh, you're doing a great job. Um, and, uh, you know, and the thing is, uh, your dad and I, you know, uh, he's a little bit older baby boomer than I am, uh, by a couple of years and, uh, you know, uh, but we need some of your generation out there, uh, you know, uh, that's right. You know, waking yep. people up and, uh, uh, bringing this stuff out. So yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah. Right, we're going to, we're going to give you a little, a little more, a little more, uh, tutor, uh, tutorship here, and uh, I I will actually work with you on that because that's true. What Thumper said is, um, you know, we need more millennials. We need more people that uh, are in their uh, 40s and 50s involved in this movement because so many of us are uh, getting over the hill. You know, I'm uh, I'm. I don't know. I'm definitely close closer to the end of my life than uh, even the midpoint. And uh, so we're kind of at a point where we need more young people like yourself. Involved hey, Dan, in Dan, we've yeah. only just begun. Oh, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I am a big enough pain in the butt that I think I'll probably uh, God really plans for me to be here a while just to make sure that I make a lot of people's lives miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Anyway. All well, right. Well, back, yeah. back to that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Heather, please. I'm gonna say, back to that age group thing. I've been saying for a long time, you know, because um, I'm 52, Mac is 58, but we're both, other than the, his lung issue, we're armed, we're physically able I'm in good shape. I'm probably in better physical shape now than I was in my 20s, to be honest with you. And I truly believe that it is our generation, no offense to you guys in any way, but that is going to have to face this and handle it because our children, and it's our own fault, are, you know, a little soft, I would say. <laughs> and my generation of the 70s and 80s, having come off the 60s, we did a lot on our own. You know, I mean, I came home after school. No offense to you, Dad. That's just the way it was. Everybody was that way. You know, we had our own key to the house by the time we were like six years old. We were, you know, fairly self-sufficient. And I think we've gone too far the other way with our children and, you know, have made them soft. They don't, you know, have to work as hard. They don't have chores, that sort of thing. Um, so I think it is up to our age group in the 50, 40s, 50s, and 60s, because our kids can't handle it. They're, I mean, they can't handle, you know, somebody hurting their feelings. <laughs> yeah, well, so it's, they've it's, been raised that way, but on the other side of that coin, um, you know, it's it's important that we speak out about that with them. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, it is sad. The young people today are, um, they've been taught, to be victims, everything, everybody is a victim, you know, and I uh, hate that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, your, uh, your mother was native American. And, uh, mm -hmm. so you have that, uh, uh, that, uh, genetic makeup between her and me, but 
at the same time, you could make a lot more out of your uh, Native American uh, natural genetic makeup, and you don't. And you recognize the same as I do that this victim crap uh, is for the birds. Right. You know, I was told long ago, my grandmother was a hundred percent, a full-blooded Oglala Lakota Sioux um, from Pine Ridge Reservation. And we found out through genealogy later, my mother's uh, half brothers and sisters, she was adopted out because she was half white, ironically. Um, we found out later that our ancestors actually sitting bull. I saw the genealogy, which is, you know, really interesting. And so everybody says, oh, you should get on the tribal role. You could finish your college degree for free and get all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I, I was not oppressed as a part, you know, Native American. I had a nice childhood, a nice lifestyle. I'm not going to, you know, live off the dole of the government just because I can. I'm physically able to work. I, you know, sure, I don't make as much as I'd like. Who does? Especially with this economy. Holy smokes. Yeah. But I don't believe I don't believe in, you know, rigging the system or taking advantage of that. I just don't. And I'm extremely patriotic. I always have been. Yes, our people were, you know, horribly treated. That mm -hmm. was a long time ago. No I'm question. still here. Yep. I'm still here. My sons are here. You know, like Grace and my oldest son, your grand oldest grandson, he's twenty six. He got on this bandwagon for a while there about being Native American, and I was all for it. You know, good, good for you. We're, we're all about pride. And then he started saying weird things about white people that he was learning in school. And I said, hey, 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 you know, when it comes to cowboys and Indians, we're both. Which side are you going to pick? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, right. he, didn't know what to, he didn't know what to say to that. So. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and that's a good uh, a, a point well taken that uh... – um, you know, your your kids are only an eighth, uh, mm -hmm. Olala Sioux, and uh, you're a quarter. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you can make more of it than you need to, but why? And and the thing is, it's, it's kind of like the reparations thing. You know, they're talking about reparations for people who their ancestors were slaves. Give me right. a break. My ancestors were slaves. You know, sure. I mean, uh, every virtually everybody in the world at some time or another was uh, a a slave or a servant, uh, unpaid servant of somebody else. And uh, Ingrid and I talk about that. Uh, you know, our our uh, grandparents at one point were uh, indentured servants. That's how they got here. You know, they weren't. Yeah, the Irish. Money. Yeah. yeah. You know, they mm -hmm. had to uh, work as indentured servants for six or seven years to pay for their passage over. I mean, uh, indentured servants are the same thing as slaves. Right. Absolutely. And now they're pouring over the border and giving, what, $2,200 a month, staying in luxury hotels. You know, I don't get $2,200 a month for nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's exactly. outrageous. None of us do. As a matter of fact, my my good friend, uh, who is a county commissioner, I won't mention his name, but uh, he retired as a county commissioner. He had twenty some years uh, of uh, retirement as a state employee, and boy, is he mad! 
he said, I was doing fine. We planned on, uh, we were planning on traveling and having money for uh, travel and plenty of money to live on and all that stuff. And he said, under this administration, I've lost over $2,000 a month uh, in income because of all the inflation and uh, yep. the raise in interest rates and all the stuff that they've done. He said, it's cost me $2,200 a month, and now I have to work. Uh, I have to go to work with my sons uh, in in their business and help them just to make enough money to to uh, pay the bills. It's just outrageous. I just said the other day, I told you I was going to the grocery store, and it, the thought hit me, uh, you know, the two boys – can eat like an army. And I previously, it was my responsibility in the marriage to buy groceries and cook, you know, so I know what stuff costs. I'm trying to feed, keep, keep them fed all the time. But I said the other day, if I had to feed my two sons and their father right now, I'm, you remember the amounts of food I used to make for dinner on Tuesday. Um, I, I don't know how to do it. I really honestly don't know. I was spending before Fletcher moved and went to college and stuff. I was spending like $800 a month on groceries and now it would be at least double that. I don't know how I would do it. Yeah. It's amazing. And we, we know that ourselves, frankly, if we didn't have our own beef and, uh, you know, have, the fact that I've been uh, storing food for <laughs> quite a while. Uh, You've got enough dog food for six years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to worry about your dog. So Absolutely. That's the most important, right, Thumper? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to keep the dogs fed. We got <laughs> cat, cats and dogs are going to eat when we're starved to death. <laughs> <laughs> we're down to pickled beets and they're doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're eating good food. Well, um, anyway, I, I'm intrigued by this. You know, you talk to your, uh, to the people that you are, uh, are your clients and, uh, healthcare. Mm -hmm. And, yep. uh, you, you know, you've been doing this for, what, 25 years? Long time. Yep. Long yep. time. Fletcher's and, 19, so yeah, 19, 20 almost. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I want to uh, find out what uh, some of the people that are in their 80s and uh, even older, what, what some of them are saying about what's going on right now. Well, the general consensus is, you know, and I do have some memory care patients and they're not sure what year it is, but most of my elderly folks are with it, like that veteran I told you about. Um, and a lot of them in this area, especially, would identify as Kennedy Democrats. And they hate Joe Biden. That's the word I get. They think he's a doddering old fool, you know, and having worked in memory care for 20 years, first of all, I don't even think that's a real person but whatever and they're they're playing it up his memory thing and acting like if like a fool because they got to get rid of him um so he gets no pass no quarter for 50 years of corruption 50 years i mean he even said that what in like 1980 something i wouldn't say i'm not corrupt oh, he was yeah. talking to 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, there again, they tell you. We just are like, oh, come on, you know. But um, the general consensus, and I have another lady that I have a story about, which brings us to current day. Her name was Miss Joan, I called her. Mm-hmm. She moved back here to take care of her elderly pa- patients. She was a former school teacher at a private school in Maryland. She never got married, never had children. She was the only female out of four children, so it was up to her to come back and take care of her parents. So she did, and she lived with them. Her room was in the basement. They, I actually took care of her mother, too, before she passed. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had breast cancer about 20 years ago. And it had gone, you know, gone away. She was in remission. And she's also was a Kennedy Democrat. And she believed everything about the vaccines. And she was vaccinated three times. Her cancer came back with what they do not refer to, but I do, as a turbo cancer. And she died within four months. It went metastasized to her brain and she died in the nursing home. And I went with her to the nursing home. So, she, excuse me. So she would have a friendly face because um, her brothers lived out of town and I would visit with her. But w- before she got, you know, bad off mentally, we'd have great conversations. And she absolutely agreed that we are in a system of financial slavery that is by design that we can't get out of, you know, I told you the other day, I haven't had a credit card since my early twenties. Cause I got in trouble <laughs> with that, at, you know, at school, it's like, woohoo, have money, we'll party and whatever else. But I, I haven't had one myself since my early twenties. I don't believe in that. And I know, you know, gold is going to make a comeback, but she 100% believed that she believed that we were in financial slavery. It was awful young people today. There's no way they can get out of it. Um, and it's by design. But yeah, she she didn't care for Joe Biden either. She's and I told her about the useless eater thing because she watched CNN and I spent a lot of time with her. So it was really hard on me that <laughs> she had CNN on all the time. But even she toward the end was like, that doesn't sound right. And and then she would say stuff like they know Trump's still not the president. Right. You know, because <laughs> that, that's all they do is talk about Trump. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, um, you know, you're talking about uh, some of the older uh, uh, Kennedy Democrats. The Kennedy Democrats, mm-hmm. I, I could very easily be a Kennedy Democrat, uh, sure. even though I've I've been uh, very involved with the Republican Party. Um, I have to tell you that uh, the reason I have been is not because I'm enamored with the Republican Party. But the fact that they're the lesser of two very bad systems, and I'm hoping that uh, we can bring them to the their come to Jesus moment where they'll actually follow their national platform. Because right now, the establishment Republican Party is is basically the Democrat Party uh, enablers. They're just uh, Democrat light. That's basically the difference. Well, it's my feeling that that's why RFK has uh, surfaced all of a sudden. I think he's not going to take Trump voters. He's going to take any rational Democrat voter because he will be an option. I mean, that's just my opinion, of course. But I think, you know, he has an axe to grind. They killed his father. They killed his uncle. Mm -hmm. He's not in love with the deep state party. There's no way he could be, you know. The lizards took his family members, so... 
I think he's there. I don't think he really has any chance of winning, but I think he's there to detract rational Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's actually a good uh, a good ploy. I hope it works because mm-hmm. um, obviously we we need to get good, honest American. Uh, traditional Democrats to realize that the party right now that they're supporting is is the party of Karl Marx. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the the establishment Democrat party is uh, strictly communist, really. They're crazy. I remember years ago standing in your dining room in Montana and I said, what is the difference between a socialist and a communist? Because I, I couldn't, you know, Mm-hmm. put it together in my head and you know you were like nothing much <laughs> yeah. well what i tell them is that a communist you heard this a lot when you were a kid a communist is a socialist in a hurry that's mm. the difference between them remember that sure. yep i sure do <laughs> because yeah. bernie i can't remember what the situation was but it, it might have been bernie sanders i don't remember but i was like what is this socialism thing it, it's never worked in history in the history of the world it's never worked mm-hmm. why would it suddenly work now yeah yeah well uh like i say communism is just uh the ultimate goal of socialism uh you know socialism is one of the steps it's on the way uh, to mm-hmm. communism, because totalitarianism is the ultimate goal of the whole program. You know, Marxism is that way. Well, um, you let's... mean democracy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Democracy. <laughs> Perfect democracy. They're going to ruin our democracy, you know, and they're absolutely right. When Joe Biden says uh, Trump is going to ruin our democracy, there's no question. He's absolutely right. Because pure Here's democracy hoping. is communism, right? They don't, yeah. and the people who listen to them, they don't even know what that word means. They don't know what a constitutional republic is. You know, they just—they're just ignorant. And in this this age of information, or day of information, I should say that they can't shut down. They would shut it down if they could, but I don't think they have that ability uh, anymore or yet or whatever. But um, ignorance is a choice in this this age. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it is a choice because we've got so much information at our disposal right now uh, with the internet, with all the things that are available. If you're ignorant of what's going on, it's because you choose to do so. Yep, I agree. It's like with I don't know if we're allowed what we're allowed to say on here, but the people hurting children. Mm-hmm. Oh, the it, pe- pedophiles, yeah. Okay. You, 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 can, we... you can you can say anything you want. This is uh, Patriot Soapbox, and uh, we don't effing hold back. <laughs> oh. yeah. well, my dad told me I couldn't effing curse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, some do, some I, don't. I watch, no. I watch myself, or at least I try to. <laughs> I have to think yeah. about it once in a while. But, uh, you know, I just see a lot of people waking up. I have another lady who's also triple vaxxed and she's looking for ways to get it out of her, you know, and I I like her. I'm very fond of her. And I feel so badly because I don't know that there isn't a really 100 percent effective way to do it. But she has awakened. But it's too late. She's already triple vaxxed. You know, but she knows. She said, I haven't felt right. And she's only in her 60s. She has arthritis. Mm-hmm. She said, I have not felt right since I got those shots. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I try not to say too much about that because I know what I think and I don't want to terrify people, but it is what it is. I have another lady now check this out. Speaking of the medical system we're currently stuck with, which I hope very soon to be something better. Her name is Dottie. And this is a funny story. I have had her for years and she's a retired prostitute. (laughs) I kid you not. She told me that. And she said one time she got arrested in Youngstown and the police asked her what she did. This is back in the mob days in Youngstown. They asked her what she did. And she very proudly said, I'm in public relations. (laughs) (laughs) But that was her personality. And she, her cancer came back and her oncologist here in Youngstown would not treat her for her cancer that just boom exploded back on the scene weirdly until she got a fourth booster now i saw her uh, yeah i've never heard of anything like this but um so she got the shot she's very a liberal person she believes it she thinks orange man bad you know all that stuff we just don't talk about it um her personality changed overnight she is like a zombie now there's not a funny thing about her. She just sits there and stares. And if I say anything to her, because we always joke before, if I say anything to her, she goes, what do you mean by that? I mean, she, she's an absolutely different person. She has checked out. And the main part of that to me is that her oncologist, remember, first do no harm, mm-hmm. would not treat her until she got the fourth shot. Wow. And now she's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm going to give you a, na- a name, and you need to write this down because uh, Dr. Lee Merritt is going to be our guest on Tuesday. She's uh, she's a medical doctor, uh, former Navy uh, medical doctor. She has uh, been the head, uh, I believe, the president of uh, the American uh, uh, Society for Surgeons, and uh, she's a brilliant lady. Uh, she's going to be my guest on Tuesday, but she has a website called The Medical Rebel, all one word, <laughs> themedicalrebel.com. I like it already. Yeah, well, you like her. Rebel. She's a brilliant lady, really is a good lady. And uh, she has, if you go to her website, on the taskbar at the top of the screen, uh, there's a uh, uh, a thing that says uh, – vaccine hesitancy or something to that effect you click on that and it gives uh it gives a whole series of things that you can do to uh uh negate or neutralize the uh, vaccine uh protocols and so it's it's a really really good thing and uh she uh she said hit that uh, red bar and it says uh, do what uh what to do for maxine uh for vaccine remorse, that's what she calls it. So okay, anyway. I see. I'll I'll see look Teresa on Tuesday. Yeah, I look will. it up I'll and, tell her. and print it out. And it's got uh, it, it's basically mo- most of uh, the protocols to get rid of the vaccine uh, effects are to get rid of parasites in the human body because that's what so much of the uh, mRNA. Uh, technology that's involved is parasitic, and so you need to get rid of that. But uh, right. anyway, that's a, that's a good one to go to that. Um, we had a good friend of ours to this program, uh, 
Dr. Peter Pry, who was also a gentleman who uh, had refrained from getting the vaccine, but he had a speaking tour in Canada that he was committed to do. It was part of a uh, book program that he had already gotten um, uh, royalties for writing another book. And so he was forced to uh, honor his uh, commitment to go to Canada, do the speaking tour. So he had to get fully vaccinated. And um, he had had cancer years ago, but he had completely beaten it. And uh, yeah. he went and got uh, uh, vaccinated and within three months he was dead. Yeah, it, same uh, thing it, as Miss Joan. It comes back like you called it a turbo blast, and that's really what it is. It's uh, the cancer comes back in such a uh, such a mass massive way that it really uh, takes over your whole system and nothing flat. It was it was just vicious. I mean, she had a had had a mastectomy twenty years ago. Went around, lived her life, everything was fine. Boom, she got vaccinated, it went to her bones, it went to her brain, and she was just the sweetest thing, just the sweetest woman. And it was so sad to watch. The head nurse and I that were on her case were actually very moved when she passed because it was just awful. Well, uh, you know, it's sad, but there's a lot of people going that way. And we just try to do what we can to let people know to stay away from uh, from the COVID vaccines because of the technology. What, right. um, maybe uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, some of the things that you see in your area that are uh, making you feel like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people waking up. What, what do you see with the younger people? Uh, you know, are you uh, having conversations and are you seeing the younger people start to get it a little bit? Um, we're surrounded on either side by, and across the street, I'd say they're late 20s, early 30s. And quite honestly, they're not paying attention to anything that I can see, except video games and whatever else. But my age group, to be sure, we had that issue one a couple months ago, which was banning late, uh, late term abortions or, you know, just in parental notification. Well, for some reason, that's on the ballot again this Tuesday. And when I went to vote for it the last time, the um, election worker there, he said to me, I can't believe how busy this is. If I had known it would be this busy all day long, I would never have volunteered. And the place was just packed. It was a single item issue. But I mean, you couldn't find out. I had to wait for a parking space, you know, and this is an event center. So there should have been plenty of parking. But it it was just packed. And I know you told me your friend was really disappointed that it failed in that effort. But, you know, you have to keep in mind, yeah, you take the piece of paper and fill out the paper. And the amount of turnout that I saw for that, I would say, you know, middle-aged, not terribly old or elderly, but um, it was all middle-aged people. And they showed up in droves. So there's no doubt in my mind that that actually passed at, what was it, 60% to approve late-term abortion. I mean, that's just nobody, that's outrageous. You know, who would vote for that unless you're crazy <laughs> or never had a child, you know? 
but right. to the young, to the younger point, not not so much. I don't. I what is it they say? Four to six percent will never understand what's going on, and that's unfortunate. Well, it is, but it also shows the, uh, you know, that you can't trust elections. We need to get uh, back to uh, paper ballots, no computers, paper ballots counted at the precinct level. Uh, valid IDs and all that. Um, do you see that kind of movement? Because uh, Ohio's been pretty good. They've they've been kind of outspoken about uh, fighting back against the uh, corrupt politicians and the and the uh, voter fraud. What are what are they doing in uh, Ohio in that regard? I don't think we'll see any real movement until we get closer to twenty twenty four. Uh, sorry, the dog's getting ready to yell at me. He's like a toddler. <laughs> um, I think there will something will have to happen that the American general public will, you know, go. Okay, that's it. We're going back to paper ballots, same day count, one day voting. I mean, just yesterday, these women were walking around our neighborhood, and they were no on issue one, what we were just talking about, and. She, I, she said, are you no on issue one? And I said, yeah, I am. And she said, well, haven't you voted yet? And I said, no, I'll go on Tuesday. You know, what is this with this early voting and a month of voting and all that stuff? Something serious is going to have to happen, I think, for that to go back to old-fashioned. We used to get it done. What's the problem? France can do it. Well, and, and we did it until about 2000. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's only been maybe the last 20 to 25 years that we've had uh, the computer voting. And obviously the whole system is so set up for fraud right now that uh, the only thing we can do is, is go back to a hand counted paper ballot, same day voting, everything done the way we did it 30 years ago. Then we might have a, a legitimate election again. I agree. Well, I'm hopeful. I mean, even in a Democratic Bridgeport, Connecticut, with a Democratic judge, he even said, whoa, whoa, this, there's too much going on here. He said, we need a new election. I mean, so that's the first domino to fall in my mind. Mm -hmm. I was very pleased to hear that. Yeah, I saw that, too. And there are three uh, very identifiable elections that are all Democrat uh, winners that are being challenged right now. Uh, right. in the country. So, you know, maybe and, it'll happen. And they're make, yeah, I hope so. They're making a move to impeach that, um, oh shoot, her title escapes me, in Wisconsin, that she was in charge of elections and she oh. had 100% turnout at nursing homes, which never happens. I deal with the elderly. They don't, they don't know what they're voting for. I had one lady once, the doctor, I took her to a neurologist and the doctor said, what year is it, Peggy? And she's, or who's the president, Peggy? And she looked right at him and she said, Woodrow Wilson. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they don't know, you know, a lot of them in nursing homes. So who has 100% participation in a nursing home and why did she push for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the uh, ballot initiative to be able to pick up ballots and, uh, you know, to go around to people's homes and pick up their ballots. That's ridiculous. We got three. We got three ballots in three different names that I never requested because I'm a firm believer in, you know, same person, same day voting. Three of them to this house mm -hmm. in 2020. Yeah. Well, 
We just went through, uh, we had a meeting of the Madison County Republican Central Committee on uh, Monday night. And uh, we had requested a voter roll from the uh, county clerk's office and they sent us out this voter roll. And uh, of all the people in the room, only one person in the room actually had the right information. Uh, they had me listed as living in Ennis. Uh, they had uh, Cedar and Maryland West as living in Big Sky. And, uh, you know, completely different addresses and all this stuff. Out of, uh, I don't know, the 15 or so people in the room, only one actually had the right address. Everybody else was completely screwed up. Well, if those are our legitimate voter rolls, then we obviously have some serious problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, two, the one ballot did come in my name. But the other two, I have no idea who they are. Who knows how long ago they lived here? You know, maybe some are dead. It's just insane. Oh, and did you see that piece on CNN? The guy was interviewing somebody putting ballots in a drop box. It was in no. Ohio. As well. Oh, no, my. She's standing there shoving ballots in as CNN is talking to her. And she's got one after the other, right? And the guy's like, oh. <laughs> Here, she's well, tossing. what did they say i mean what did the cnn say i think he got really flustered because he said did you vote for reagan or carter and she said carter but she just kept shoving these ballots in there but it was current you know it was 2020 and so she didn't even know who was running for uh for office no. uh -uh. She didn't wow. know anything, and I think he didn't know what to say because he said, oh, here she is casting her vote, meaning singular, and she's shoving, you know, probably 10 of them in there at a time. Wow. Wow. Well, you, you uh, did you see the 2000 Mules movie? Uh, we we, we uh, showed it at the theater uh, in Ennis because we thought it was important that people saw it. Uh, but did you see that 2000 Mules movie? I've seen most of it, but, you know, I, I read a lot and listen to a lot, so I knew the premise of it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no question, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, ballot stuffing was happening and it was coming out of very specific locations that were being funded by uh, people like, um, um, oh, um, Amazon's uh, president, uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Bezos, yeah. Different uh, big corporate entities were funding these centers, and all these ballots were coming from those centers and being dropped at uh, drop boxes all over the area. Uh, in uh, the Phoenix area, it was just unbelievable how much of it was happening. Well, look at Zucker. I would call him Zuckerbucks, but all of his money, what was it, half a billion dollars for drop boxes? First of all, that's yeah. totally illegal, mm -hmm. you know, but there again with the two-tiered justice system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty cool that you're, uh, that you're doing so much of your own research on this stuff. Um, you're worried about the kids. I'm worried about the grandkids. I'm, I'm worried about everybody, but, um, you know, we're worried about what, what kind of a world we're going to leave our kids. You said something earlier that was really important. 
I think it is going to fall on your shoulders more than even on my shoulders because you're the generation that is going to be uh, facing this stuff head on. Uh, yeah. What What do you uh, What do you plan to do about it? Well, like my dad taught me, and we've got stockpiles of food stored away. Um, you know, I really believe that Space Force. And I think Trump is the front man, but I think he was asked to do this. Remember, Obama got rid of all those um, higher-up military mm-hmm. when he got in office? He just fired them, you know, got rid of them. But I think this is a movement since at least Kennedy was assassinated in, was 63? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think this has been going on and countering. And they got so lazy and so arrogant the lizards, Kazaria Mafia, whatever you want to call them. You know, this is uh, first thing I tell people when they start talking to me about waking up. This is not about Republican versus Democrat. It hasn't been for a long time. They're both uh, wings of the same bird, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dirty on both sides. The, how do you make $170,000 and live in a multiple million dollar home, you know, of which you have several? I'm no mathematician, but that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You know, and look at Maxine Waters, the jerk she is. She lives in a $6 million home, not even in her district. Mm -hmm. And apparently Adam Schiff has lived in Maryland for 20 years and keeps a little condo in his district in California. I mean, it's just corrupt. The whole thing is entirely corrupt, and it has to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And it's going to be our generation that does it. I'm, I think, you know, we're ready. We're, a lot of us are way beyond ready, those of us who have been awake for decades. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Good old afternoon, Chokey. Thank you, aerosols. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, we're ready. We're sick of waiting. I think a lot's happening right now. I think a lot's going to happen very, very soon. Um, but it's, it's been hard to wait. I mean, ever since 2020, we kept waking up going, oh, please let this be overturned. Please let the military step in. But it's we have to be behind them. The patriots of this country have got to wake up and say, no more. Get out. The gravy train is over. Yeah, that's the key. And it's always been the key to the whole thing is mm-hmm. uh, understanding that all we have to have is about 10% of the people say no more. We're not going to put up with this crap anymore. And it would stop. Right. It would be that easy if people would actually say it and do it with conviction. Right. Well, speaking of the grandkids, when Grayson, who's now 26, was a child, his favorite movie was called A Bug's Life. <clears throat> That's back when we had VHS, for heaven's sakes. I remember that because I ended up having to buy about three of them because he played it so often they'd wear out, you know. Mm-hmm. But in that movie, Hopper, the grasshopper, ironically played by pervert Kevin Spacey or voiced by Kevin Spacey, said, would they outnumber us 100 to 1? And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. Mm-hmm. So that was so prophetic. But there again, you know, they tell you in movies and TV shows and all that stuff because they don't think we'll do anything. But we have to do something. We have to stand up, say no more. You know, I don't want to see a civil war. And I think that's why we had to survive these last three years 
after 2020 mm-hmm. was so blatantly stolen because I know a lot of people who were really, really pissed off. You know, they wanted to take to the streets. They'd, mm-hmm. Look at January 6th. They're still rotting in jail, not being charged. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's because D.C. isn't even part of America. But I wouldn't set foot there now, and I grew up around there, you know, as you know. Yeah, well, exactly. And I, I went there on uh, January 6th to support the president. I did not go to the Capitol. I uh, was at the Ellipse and heard uh, Trump's speech. I was literally, you know, probably 100 mm-hmm. yards away from the podium. But um, anyway, we, uh, you know, we were there in support. The news media said there were 30 to 40,000 people there. Oh, come on. And in fact, uh, I, I'm sure that it was somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million people. The, yeah, the I saw whole, the aerial Yeah, the whole mall was full of uh, people. It was just absolutely packed with people. Right. You know, and they, they expect us to believe stuff like, oh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, filming daughter, whatever you call it, cinematographer, or what just happened to be there that day following her around making a documentary. Ray Epps flew from Arizona supposedly to go hear Donald Trump speak. He never went to his speech. He was at the Capitol agitating Brian Sullivan, whose father was some crazy admiral or something back in the day, left-leaning. Um, and, you know, they're not charged. These poor guys, I just, right before I got on with you, I heard at Trump's rally, they played, um, oh, shoot, Justice for All, they call it. It's where the January 6th prisoners were mm-hmm. f- recorded singing the national anthem spurs in with Donald Trump saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And he stood there and he saluted. Instead of putting his hand over his heart, he saluted the whole time. And I thought, this man is still in charge. We're just having to suffer through this so the normies wake up and see it. You know, when you have to fill up your gas tank or your refrigerator or feed your kids or even feed your dogs and you can't afford it, that's a big slap of reality to what you may or may not have voted for. Yeah, I mean, your your uh, your, your comments about the cost of food it is double in the last three or four years. Uh, yep. They can they can say it's five percent. That's nonsense. All you got to do is buy things and and use your money, and you realize just exactly how incredible inflation is right now. Uh, gas That's outrageous. Prices. Yeah, gas prices. Uh, you know, three and a half to. Uh, five bucks a gallon depending on where you're at in the country for a gallon of gas and when trump was president it was a dollar 80 to two dollars a gallon right i got gas the other day i was driving he was the former mayor of this town he's in his 80s now a very very democratic fellow he would he would say he was a kennedy democrat too I had to take him to the bank and I stopped and got gas because it was 309 and I was almost happy about that and I thought that's ridiculous it's still 309 you know and I got back in the car and Mayor Melfi said got to love those bidenomics you know and he was being <laughs> sarcastic but mm-hmm. when we're excited about gas being $3.09 there's a problem well, you're lucky because here in Montana, it's about $3.65. Yeah, it was here until very recently. I don't know yeah. what happened. That particular gas station, it's a little village, they call it. Mm-hmm. They try to keep it lower, I think. Yeah, well, that's a Costco in our end. Well, um, 
the people that you uh, the people that you work with there, you know, obviously most of them are Democrats, and they're coming around, and that's yep. a big deal. That is a really really big deal. Um, you know, I, I remember you talking about this mayor. Um, he was wasn't he kind of uh, hooked up with the mob at one time. <laughs> <laughs> you know we know nothing yeah, yeah right <laughs> well the, the point i guess i'm getting at is that people all over the country and it doesn't matter what their inclinations are they're starting to get it aren't they what does he oh, what say I... about what does he say about the, this clown in the white house well, you know, he likes to think he's still kind of a wheeler dealer. So we do talk about politics quite often. He thinks, I, you know, I, I know a few things. Um, he thinks Biden's just a shell. He thinks he's a puppet. He thinks he didn't vote for him in the first place. He voted for Trump. Um, but he just thinks it's a train wreck. I mean, it absolutely, there's nothing to defend here. There's absolutely nothing to defend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's uh, it, it's kind of a pathetic mess when you mm -hmm. look at and and again we go back to that video of um, of Biden walking around uh, try, trying to tap on Obama's shoulder <laughs> to get his attention, and everybody is oohing and on over o Obama, and yeah. o o Biden is just like he wasn't even there. It was uh, it it almost made you feel. I, I almost felt incredibly sorry for the guy when I saw that. I did too, but you know, then I go back to remembering he's been in office of some kind. He worked what two years on yeah. the private sector. He's Not been in even. office for yeah, for fifty years. This yeah. guy's been robbing us blind. Don't feel sorry. And I have a hard time with that because I have a soft spot for elders, as you know, and especially memory care. But the guy we're seeing now is a shell of a person of a crook who's been a crook for 50 years. And God did God only knows what to his family and own children. I yeah. mean, his yeah. daughter's diary, you know, it's just, ugh. but the whole thing, Hunter Biden is an absolute animal. I'm mm -hmm. sorry that Bo Biden died, but he didn't die in Iraq. He died here of cancer. And he constantly uses, you know, you and I have both experienced personal tragedy and loss of loved ones. And you don't use that to score points. You know what right, I mean? Right, it's, right. It's, that's disgusting to me. Score points or make it a crutch for yeah. uh, the most aberrant behavior in the world. Yeah. A behavior we cannot, and this is what I hear a lot from my people a lot, like with the pedophilia and all that stuff, they can't wrap their head around it. And I tell them, you can't understand it because you're not like that. It, it does not compute in your brain. You look at a small child and think, huh, you know, that doesn't work in our mind. And it's abhorrent. We can't, we can't wrap our head around it, but there's, I, I frequently will say, you know, I believe I didn't used to believe this, but I do more and more, the more I find out, you know, these rabbit holes you go down, it's like, Ooh. <laughs> but, um, I believe there's two <sighs> species of humans, if you will, they look like us, they sound like us, but the things that they do and continue to do throughout their life, you could not be a decent hearted person and do these things. 
not even if you're blackmailed. You know, you got too drunk, you were on drugs or whatever, and you did horrible things to a child, and Jeffrey Epstein and Les Wexler filmed you do it. So you're under their boot for the rest of your life. Normal people don't do those things. It doesn't even occur to us. Well, and the the difference, and this is a good place to go, uh, the difference is someone who has a soul and someone who doesn't. And uh, that is the ultimate human experience is the fact that God gives us a soul and he gives us the the knowledge to be able to uh, fight evil if we have that soul and to do the right things. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little nervous about coming on here, you know, because I've not done this before, but I, I certainly research a lot. But I happened to hear, I was listening to one of the programs that I frequently listen to, and he talked about how in the Bible it says, do not fear. And it says it 365 times, and how that's, you know, once a day for every day of the year. And I thought, and I thought of that one, fear not, for I am with thee. And I thought, okay, I can do this, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Well, if if we can if we can save our country in any way, I mean, we are so close. Had Hillary Clinton pulled off that election steal, which I do believe the military was watching it as well, the good military. Who knows? Yeah. Because the United States of America. We saw the U.N. plastic coffin stacked up to the sky. You know, who are those for? Who were they meant for? I get, you and I are right at the top of the list, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you uh, are have the misfortune of being my child, and uh, that puts you in a pretty serious situation. But, um, you, you know, let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's understand, though, that the whole the how they manipulate humanity is through fear. They understand Absolutely. how to manage fear to make people afraid. When they make them afraid, they lose their ability to reason. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. You know, it's to the point where they're making noises about doing masks and stuff again and all this nonsense. I see people in their car by themselves, and this is probably less true in Montana than it is in Ohio, but wearing masks. And you know what I feel for them? Actual pity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I, do I, would, uh, mm-hmm. I think you are so scared and really not very smart, to be honest, you know, not trying to be unkind, but I actually pity them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. And, um, uh... But at the same time, there's only so much pity you can have for uh, somebody that, like you said earlier, uh, is ignorant because they refuse to listen. They refuse to find facts. Uh, They're ignorant because they choose to be so. Yep. I agree with that 100%. You know, uh, you and mom and my stepdad were all the same this way when I'd have a question about something, which was frequently when my first, when Grayson, my first son was born, mom gave me a book about this thick and it was called the big book of why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, what is this? And she said, well, if you, your son's anything like you, you're going to need it. But the answer I was frequently given when I'd ask a question, you know, I wanted an easy answer. Just tell me and was go look it up. 
and we had encyclopedias, we had a dictionary, you know, and I did, I went and looked it up and I still do that. You know, when I try to deal with people who are waking up, if you will, uh, like my friend Teresa, I have to hold it back because I, I want to, you know, bombard them with everything. But like, if you start out with celebrities are torturing and raping and killing children and draining their blood and it's called adrenochrome, their heads go, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too much. So you gotta, you gotta kind of pace yourself. I notice mm-hmm. when people ask me questions and they do frequently on Facebook to um, send me messages and stuff. Cause I, you know, I just keep trying to get it out there. I want people to look for themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do too, but you're right. Uh, although I do about the last year and a half, um, people that used to look at me like I had three eyeballs are now uh, actually mm-hmm. calling me and asking for advice on certain things. Uh, I can't Ditto. tell you how many phone calls a day I get on things like that, uh, and it's amazing to me. I think you probably have experienced the same thing, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. I used to get called all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, we're, you're you're just a conspiracy theorist. Well, it's not a theory if it's true, you know, and it's getting easier and easier to prove these mm-hmm. things. You know, you, you just have to look. I mean, look at Maui. We were just talking about that. Having seen forest fires, Maui was turned into white ash. Mm-hmm. There's nothing natural or normal about that. Alcapulco, they went to bed thinking they were having a tropical storm that night, woke up to a Category 5 hurricane. There's nothing natural or normal about that. You know, use your head. The earthquakes in Turkey, the little tickle in your throat that you get that you never had before, the lines in the sky, look yep. up. You yep. know, I mean, it's it's readily available to people nowadays. And it does get frustrating when you know they're not looking because they want to watch the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Maui because have you seen that recent uh, uh, video? And it's very clear. I mean, they've got a good video of it uh, showing the Pentecostal church that they used. It looks like a laser went right down the middle of the church and cut the roof in half. But no, I haven't, a building? I haven't seen I have not seen that one yet, but I've seen where everything is destroyed except blue umbrellas, which were completely unscathed. The flora fauna right next to a building that was, you know, devastated, mm-hmm. not even singed. You know, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. That's that's not how any of this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, and, exactly. and Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey conveniently had a roof redone in the shade of blue that doesn't burn. I mean, it's just obvious. You can see that it's laser work and those Canadian forest fires that we suffered through here. You look at the satellite view of it and they all go up at the same time. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You mentioned that, that it was uh, how many, it was like over a hundred mm-hmm. individual things that all started at roughly the same time. Yeah, they have it on slow motion satellite video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody did that. And obviously, if it wasn't a directed energy weapon, it was uh, arsonist. And either right. way, yeah. Either well, they, way. Arrested the, they arrested an arsonist where in Greece, I think, for setting over 100 fires. Hmm. Yeah, Same well, thing. I mean, it's. That's part of the terrorism that we're seeing. That's why. 
we need to be so concerned about all these people pouring over the borders. All you've got to have is a half a dozen terrorists in that group, and you could cause a lot of havoc. No, oh, I'm sure they're already here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Just in are. our neighborhood alone, we see Middle Eastern, and I, you know, I don't like to discriminate. I grew up in a very diverse area. That's not how I roll. But before this, we didn't notice it. Let's just put it that way. And now, mm -hmm. like we were out on the porch for Halloween passing out candy, we saw, I don't know, groups of like 10 Middle Eastern looking young men. Mm -hmm. that we never noticed before. I went to the local Walmart here and I heard more Spanish than English in conversations mm -hmm. and it was crowded, you know. It's like this isn't this is new. This is not yeah. my imagination. I'm not hallucinating. I'm, you know, believing my lying eyes. Mhm. Mm yeah, exactly. Believe your lying mm -hmm. eyes and and uh listen with your lying ears because it's there. It's right in front of us. Um, yeah, you know the the Maui fires. I, I incidentally, I've got uh, Dr. Barry Trower is going to be on. Um, oh, geez, I've got him on in a week or two. Uh, coming on, he's an English gentleman who worked in the Royal Navy. He was an uh, engineer in the Royal Navy that worked on direct directed energy weapons. Uh, mm -hmm. Bumper actually uh, connected me with a gentleman from England who uh, knew him, and as a result, we're going to have him on here in a week or two uh, doing a program on directed energy weapons. And he says that we've had deadly, the ability to pinpoint and kill individual people with directed energy weapons has been uh, in play for about 40 years, and that the uh, science is so perfected now that literally anything they want to do, they can do. As a matter of fact, uh, he kind of hinted to me, and I've heard this before, that uh, directed energy weapons were uh, involved in 9-11. Yeah, I think that's obvious. You know, if you look at it, first of all, they I just saw a video recently where the plane is absorbed in the building and they did a test afterward of course they didn't make it public of a plane hitting a concrete wall the plane went you know literally blew up there was hardly anything to recognize it as mm -hmm. but it did wouldn't it wouldn't penetrate steel and why did building seven fall down it wasn't hit by an airplane it wasn't even hit by debris because you can see the buildings and i watched it live time that day i remember where i was grayson was four years old sitting on my lap the pl the buildings went boom you know mm -hmm. straight down into dust where's the rubble well your dad is uh obviously that's my background that's my uh my uh, uh profession and mm -hmm. I can tell you that uh, that would be the only uh, three buildings in world history built of concrete and steel, reinforced steel and concrete, that ever fell down because of fire. And uh, the buildings, uh, the, the uh, Twin Towers, I actually studied those in a physics class and a structures class that I took, and uh, they were at the time, they were designed to take multiple 707, uh, Boeing 707 plane hits, and it wouldn't phase them. And if you look at what happened on, um, you know, on 
all that that big fireball that you saw uh, when the buildings uh, were hit by the planes, that was mm -hmm. the wings and the plane just basically being vaporized, and all that fuel was still on the outside of the building, and it burned on the outside in a gigantic fireball. Very little of that uh, jet fuel got into the building, and jet fuel uh, burns at uh, 700 and some degrees, not uh, the, uh, hot enough to melt steel. It just doesn't, it doesn't equate. It doesn't make any sense, as you know. Right. Well, and back to the Maui thing real quick before I get to the Pentagon. I want to say something about the Pentagon. Before I forget, I've got so much rattling around up here, it's hard to stay stay focused. Um, Maui, we looked at that up. Asphalt burns at, I said 300. I was incorrect. You corrected me the other day on the phone. Burns at what did you say? Degrees? Yeah, you can actually light it up at just over 200 degrees. You can actually... Uh, put a match to it and, and it'll burn. All right. Well, so there you've got these cars melted to the core. The the glass is melted. You can look at them. These poor people roasted, I assume, in their cars. And where are the 2,000 children while we're at it? Mm -hmm. um, but yet the asphalt's completely intact. You can walk on it as hard as a rock. What? What? And that makes no sense. Yeah, it does. And back to the Pentagon, I remember thinking at that time, because as I said, I grew up around that area and we'd take field trips and, you know, all that stuff to the Pentagon. And what most people don't realize about Washington, D.C. is it's not a tall town. All right. the buildings are re relatively short. Mm -hmm. What is the Pentagon? Shorter Three than, the, shorter than the uh, Washington Monument. It was all designed that way. So basically right. you're looking at about 10 stories maximum. Maximum, yeah. So the Pentagon, I don't even think it's 10. I want to say it's only no, like four it's, or five. It's, it's, I think, five stories, yeah. Above ground, yeah. Mm -hmm. So for a full-size airliner to hit with that direct, excuse me, Axel's trying to get feisty, my dog, um, you'd have to be a foot off the ground, basically. <laughs> yeah. And like and, I said, at the time, I said, "Where, where's the plane? Where's the fuselage? Where's an engine? Where's a seat? Where's mm -hmm. any of that? You never saw any of it. Well, and anybody, ironically, that, anybody that's ever flown knows that if you fly a plane into a building at 500 miles an hour, the ground effect wouldn't allow you to get within probably six or seven stories of the ground. You can't fly a a big jet plane into the ground at that speed uh, unless you're diving at a steep angle straight down into the ground. You're not going to fly in, uh, you know, from uh, a mile or two away and and basically skim over the ground and hit the building. It won't work that way. Right. And just what the day before Donald Rumsfeld had said, we're missing trillions of dollars from the Pentagon yeah. and just so happens that's the department that was the plane crashed into mm -hmm. so all the paperwork went poof yeah that well that was in buildings uh that that was in the pentagon part of that audit was going on there but also a lot of uh cia information and stuff disappeared and that was in building seven right uh, and in the, information about nasara jasara right 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 yeah 
Well, yeah. I, I, you know, the, the, you can't make this stuff up. And like you say, you, uh, uh, you, you know the area. I do too. I was stationed there and uh, mm-hmm. know very well what um, you know what the uh, Pentagon is and all the buildings around there. And it was a, it was a setup deal. Um, Cynthia McKinney was the one that was grilling uh, Donald Rumsfeld, and uh, Cynthia McKinney is a good friend of mine. She's been on here quite a few times, too. So Nice. Yeah. Well, I know we're in a time. I have a whole list of stuff I wanted to go over. <laughs> okay, I don't well, think we did. We but... got five minutes. Tell me what else you want to go over. I just wanted to make the connection of Lex West, uh, Wessler, Wexler, excuse me, Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, Jeffrey Epstein, who's still got a live case in the Virgin Islands, even though the prosecutor was fired, they still have the case open. Uh, we need Epstein's list. You know, show me in any other disgusting world where the perpetrators of said crime who are guilty of coordinating these horrific crimes are convicted and suicided, but not one client has been arrested or even yeah. charged. Yeah. Well, we know who the clients are and uh, at least some Congress. of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, Cynthia actually had a list and it was amazing how many of them, people like Tom Hanks, uh, uh, people yeah. like Bill Gates. I mean, you you know, you go down through the list, and mm-hmm. how many famous people that uh, that were on his flight uh, manifests, and she got a hold of them. I don't know how she did it, but she had a very detailed list of uh, his flight manifests for uh, several years, and it was pretty amazing. Some of the names that were on there. Incidentally, it's Bill horrifying. Clinton, John Roberts being one of them. Yeah, John Roberts was one, and Bill Clinton was on uh, the list she had like nine times. 26 times. 26. Yeah. Well, something she, like that. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm talking just in a uh, several year time frame, she had the list. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was Will you ask me times. real quick um, what I see changing? And not just in my own world, but what I do see changing is, you know, people talk about Q and QAnon. It's not actually QAnon. It's a totally separate thing. Um, They have predicted for a while that soon these people, meaning the deep state lizards, won't be able to walk down the street. And I do see that happening publicly. Hillary Clinton was giving a speech somewhere. Why she just won't go away is a mystery of itself. But some big guy, Alex, I can't think of his name, stood up and screamed out, why was uh, Bill Clinton on Epstein's manifest or flight log 26 times why did he go down there mm-hmm. and to her face they dragged him out by a shirt literally mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, but it's she happening. didn't answer <laughs> no she got furious and another time i saw her or her body double whatever it is walking into a building in new york and people on the street were yelling hang her mm-hmm. to her face yeah. So that's that's one thing I do see changing, and I, I'm glad to see it because something needs to give. We can't. We're not going to make it another year like this. Well, as a matter of fact, when I was in Cleveland, when I came out and saw you in Cleveland, when I was at the uh, Republican convention, I was one of the delegates from Montana, yeah. and uh, it, it was funny because Alex Jones was out uh, on on the street doing his broadcasts and stuff. And it was amazing how many people were uh, yelling to uh, hang Hillary, 
you know, planting. Mm-hmm. It, it was pretty yep. funny. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and we've got to do that. We've got to get loud. Don't be scared. It's not rude. You know, we've all been had manners pounded into our brains for years, but these people need to know where we are at. The majority be silent. No more. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Well, Heather, I can't imagine that people didn't hear what you had to say. And, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of, uh, how, 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 uh, close you rolled to the old tree and how you <laughs> didn't roll very far. And, uh, nope. You know what a what a, a knowledgeable, bright young woman you are, and uh, I'm just tickled to death, and I'm proud of you, and uh, I I hope people got as much uh, joy out of this as I did. Well, thank you, Dad. I'm proud of you too. Always have been. Well, we keep trying, don't we? And uh, gotta fight the good fight. It's our country. It's not coming back if we don't fight. Well, that's that's exactly right. Well, uh, just uh. Just so you know, um, we'll work on, I'll do some uh, tutoring, some mentoring, and uh, we'll work on uh, Zoom and stuff. But I really do think you could do your own podcast. Uh, Thumper, what do you think? Uh, Oh, I I think she'd do uh, great. Uh, You know, we uh, we could always use another host on PSB. (laughs) It wouldn't be fun. Hey, um, and and you you know your your internet is okay, but you need to strengthen your internet if you're going to be doing a lot of interviews. Um, get just a little bit uh, more uh, power uh, on on your internet. But if you do that, uh, you came in great. You you uh, very very good. Uh, once the uh, mic issue was squared away, now you're ready to go. Yeah, well, I'm tech savvy. I'm not, but I can learn. I might yeah. not know, but I can find out. Well, you're smart. You had two smart parents, and uh, you know the the genes are there. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well uh, it uh, we're out of time. Um, Heather, thank you again for being my guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. But um, okay. also, I want to thank our viewers and our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I'm so proud. Thank you, and join us on Tuesday for Connecting the Dots. I've got Dr. Lee Merritt as our guest, and uh, we're going to be talking about The Truman Show, what America is like today. From the lakes of Minnesota Across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say.
there ain't no doubt.